April 25th, and this is Top 10 Thursdays, and we are Sean Lemmy, John Otney, Colin Westman, Matt Carson. And tonight, we're talking about brotherly bonds. We're talking about buddy movies, and there aren't lady buddy movies. Well, I, I thought of uh, Thumb and Louise. That's a, that's a lady buddy movie. All right. But I, I didn't put it on the list. Put it on the list. I'm not ecstatic about that movie. It's pretty good, but uh, I didn't feel the need to talk about it. Didn't put Harold and Maude on here. Well, it's kind of romantic. We did talk about our romantic comedies podcast. We didn't put Brokeback on here. Uh, (laughs) Those are the best buddies. Yeah. (laughs) It's more than buddies. That'll be our next top ten. More than buddies. Yeah, we'll figure that one out. So why are we doing buddy movies? I the pain I and guess. game. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Is that them flexing their muscles? Yeah, explosions caused <laughs> by flexing their muscles. Are you guys gonna go? Uh, I'm not right now. We we could. Good. It's not completely out of the question. It's pro- it's probably the most ripped buddy movie of all time. <laughs> Maybe. Seriously, The Rock. He's always been a huge dude, but in the posters for this movie, Jesus Christ! I saw it's some Titanic. I saw some picture on Reddit about how like, I mean, he like did nothing but eat super you know healthy clean food, and you know, and he gained like a whole like six hundred pounds of muscle. And then he was, like, sitting down to have his, like, first cheat meal or whatever. And it was, like, a stack of, like, 60 pancakes. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, I'm so ripped. It was awful. That was, like, the most manly image I've ever envisioned in my mind. 600-pound muscle rock eating pancakes. Eating a stack of pancakes. I feel like pancakes are pretty manly. Hell Lumberjacks yeah. are all about them. Totes. So are we, going to be, are we going to be judging these on the, the, the quality of the film or just the, the relationship or a little bit of both? I think it's got to be both where it's, yeah, we're judging it on how much we like the movie, but also sort of how much the buddy relationship is at the center of the movie and is what makes the movie work. At least that's how I would go at it. I, I agree with that. So all apologies to... Movies starring women and also <laughs> homosexuals, but it looks like we basically just put together a list of movies with two heterosexual dudes at the focus. Yeah, and there there is kind of a a formula to the whole buddy dynamic, and I can remember the first time I was ever actually consciously aware of it, and it was brought to my attention by, by my good buddy Sean Lemmy. Uh, I remember we were like 10 or 11 years old 
and we went to go see the movie The Road to El Dorado. <laughs> <laughs> and after it, Sean was like, you know, the way that friendship played out is kind of predictable. It's like, you know, they get in some skirmishes and then they're like, their friendship gets stronger, but then they kind of piss each other off. They're not buddies anymore, but then they make up by the end and everything's good. And it's kind of formulaic. Such a cynical 10-year-old show. I know. <laughs> uh, that's a little Sean for you. Oh, it works, though. Yeah, you're right. What <laughs> about that sweet game they play? Oh yeah, like the the armadillo. Or? <laughs> Hell yeah! Well, that was their cheating. It wasn't always played with an armadillo. Oh yeah, 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 cheating. That was hilarious. You ain't cheating. You ain't trying. That armadillo had the ability to break the rules of gravity. <laughs> Momentum. That was anyway, excellent. Just the like, road to. Sorry. <laughs> You really need to keep talking about the road to El Dorado? <laughs> uh, no, I was just going to say the road to El Dorado is not on our list, uh, but one that is, is Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Okay, so Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure is a cult classic movie from the 80s about these two slacker metalhead guys, like borderline retarded. Like, they're super stupid. It's Keanu Reeves as Ted Theodore Logan and Alex Winter as Bill S. Preston Esquire. And they play in Wild Stallion. And they suck. And then George Carlin, like, travels to the future. He's like, they have to do good on their history project because <laughs> in the future they're going to, like, save everyone, which is a great premise for a movie. And, and they get into hilarious hijinks. And, you know, just total, like, dude, like that kind of, like, dude, where's your car? But in the 80s. <laughs> and, you know, they do the little, like, you know, they're always, like, rocking out, like, with invisible guitars, but you, like, the music, like, syncs up with it. <laughs> it's kind of hard to explain, but it's like the greatest thing ever. Uh, I have a great memory of watching this in Mr. Johnson's history class. Hell yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was crucial. It was like a big deal. Was this part of the system that if you were good, you got to watch a movie that didn't really teach you anything about history and the other class had to watch a super shitty movie, like a documentary that was super boring? I feel like, yeah, that's about it. <laughs> And I learned so much from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. It's a pretty funny movie. It's not a great movie. And uh, it, it, we're talking about the buddy relationship. You could argue that these characters are, like, exactly the same. <laughs> like, I'm having trouble in my head. Like, how are they, like, different? I know that, like, Ted, like, his dad's, like, trying to ship him off to the military. And he's, like, doesn't want to do it. Uh, but that's not, like, his. Like, doesn't make him different. He has, like, a conflict but they're, they're, they're funny. Keanu Reeves is definitely the better one. That's, and that's, you know, why he succeeded in life to some extent. And there's always talk of a third one. Always talk. I don't expect this to make the list. <laughs> yeah, if I'm being perfectly honest, I've never seen Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. I've only seen Bill and Ted's Bogus <laughs> Journey. See, that one's not as good, but <laughs> it's pretty much the same thing, but... The story's not like as good, but yeah, I mean, it's it's a good laugh. I feel like because you, we had to watch it at John's house once. I got it. From I felt like Hut. we had to watch it. John's like, dude, I got Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey from Pizza Hut. I am watching this. <laughs> Was I there? And, I yeah, so. we're yeah, like, like, well, we we got nothing better to do. Yeah, because I remember watching that and then like realizing it was the second one. 
And then later we saw the first one in Johnson, and I was like, oh, it all makes sense now. Classic. It was kind of a fun movie, I guess. I don't know about the first one, though. Time capsule of that, like, hair metal era. Mm -hmm. That was, like, cool. So that's kind of interesting. I'm super stoked that they're really trying to get the third one off the ground. Because Alex Winter needs the money. He's living (laughs) on the streets. You get to see him again. Connor Reeves looks exactly the same. Yeah. Each the day, even though he's like 50 now. (laughs) Everyone's 50. 48. Do you just know that offhand? I looked it up recently because Keanu Reeves uh, is in a movie called Parenthood with Joaquin Phoenix. And I always thought it was like, it's weird how like Joaquin Phoenix is like 13 in that movie and Keanu Reeves is like an adult. So then I had to look up their ages. It, it, It just happens, you know. Shit happens. Just like in Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. It does happen. Like so, which? Well, <laughs> this one is about two real-life outlaws. And they're kind of just on the run for most of the movie. They get found out. I don't know. It's been a while. <laughs> but it's pretty good. I mean, it's it's... Got lots of great, just witty banter back and forth between Paul Newman and Robert Redford, and really the movie that made Robert Redford a star. And uh, it's just a fun twist on the cowboy genre, really, sort of making it into more of a comedy. I agree. <laughs> and if we're talking about great buddy relationships, I think these guys definitely are up there. They've Got the you know, it's kind of the classic like tough guy smart guy dynamic, uh, but it's not like uh, the Sundance Kid is dumb, and it's not like Butch Cassidy can't handle himself in a fight. I mean, the movie—that's basically how the movie starts—is Butch Cassidy winning a fight, and it's hilarious and it's it's fun the whole way through. Uh, there's just the one lady, so I was I was tough, and there's two two guys wanting the same lady, but I think they make it work. And just the way they go out in that last shot, like, you can't get more iconic than, like, buddy films than them running out and, like, going up against everybody, like, always sticking together. <laughs> they're like, fuck this, I'm, screw you, I'm getting out of here, you know? They, they did it. It's hardcore bromanship. And they won. Yeah. Bromanship. <laughs> yeah, th- you know, that's a good point. There's a lot of scenes in this movie that only work because both of them are there working together, you know? Like, the, the scene where they jump into the, the river... That would only happen with them together. I mean, if it was just Butch, he would have just run and jumped. And if it was just uh, Sundance, he probably would have stayed and fought. But together, there's a hilarious dialogue scene. Oh, shit. See, shit does happen. (laughs) Yeah, we're right all along. Shit also happens in Hot Fuzz. Hilarious. Is this going to be the never-ending segue? Shit also happens. Things happen in movies. <laughs> uh, so I put Hot Fuzz on the list over Shaun of the Dead because that's more of a, a group movie. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, I think Hot Fuzz is clearly modeled off of off of movies like Lethal Weapon and um, Bad Boys Two. Bad Boys Two, Point Break. The soundtrack. I mean, it makes it very obvious that those are influences. Oh yeah, it's like definitely an homage to those. They even have that scene. Where like Nick Frost like 
instead of pointing the gun, like, what was it? I guess dad or whatever, like shoots it into the air. Like, ah! And that's after he like talks about that scene in Point Break. He's like, you got to see the scene in Point Break. It's so sweet. <laughs> yeah. I love those, those little homages to all those other movies. And I always, I love when Nick Frost plays the dumb guy because he's so good at it. Uh, I wish I could remember the setup, but some line about how judge, jury, and executioner. He's like, no, he's not judge, Judy, executioner. He's just, he says like the mind of a child. It's really working for him. It's kind of interesting that Simon Pegg went for like the straight man uh, role in this one. Like instead of them both being kind of silly, he's like pretty, he plays a pretty deadpan, but it's a pretty good dynamic. Because everyone, like basically everyone in the movie is like super quirky. Yeah, the but setup the- in the movie is uh, Simon Pegg is this like big city London cop who has to come over to this tiny little town in England because I think he just pissed off his bosses because he was too efficient. Was there a particular reason beyond that? He's like too damn good. He's just too damn I good. Make everyone look bad. So of course they. They start unraveling kind of this mystery in the town because he's partnered with, with Nick Frost, who's, you know, like John said, he has the mind of a child. But, you know, that means he's, he's so pure and good and, and, and helpful and honest. And everything's like so backwards. I feel like when he does something wrong, like he has to eat like a kind of ice cream that he doesn't like, like Chunky Monkey. <laughs> he's like, no, not Chunky Monkey. <laughs> and he like dresses up like a little like cowboy at like the town fair. I think Nick Frost is just the heart of this movie. He's got so many scenes. They're gr- they're a great comedy team. I mean, I guess maybe Paul's not a good example of that because that movie kind of sucked. But when they're working with Edgar Wright, they just have such a great rapport and just rhythm with each other. Because like they're they're supposedly like best friends in real life. So that's maybe that's why it works so well. I love those guys. I watch them in anything. Yeah, honestly, I think I'm in the minority of people that actually likes Hot Fuzz better than Shaun of the Dead. I think I'd have to see it again, but I'm not the hugest fan of Shaun of the Dead. And not just because it's zombies and I don't like zombies. I, don't, I just... I, I didn't really laugh that much. Yeah, I'm kind of with you on that one. Yeah. Which is a bit strange, but whatever. Hot Fuzz is a little more rapid fire with all the jokes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I, I get that. It's a really funny movie. And it's, it, it's, yeah. it's kind of nice how uh, Shaun of the Dead, it's, you know, analyzing zombie movie tropes while it's making fun of it. And Hot Fuzz, it's more of like slowly going through the tropes and making fun of it. And then at, at the very end, it just kind of turns and becomes an action movie. And that's kind of more fun to watch, I think. A really violent. <laughs> yeah. One of my favorite scenes is when that pillar falls on that guy's head. <laughs> But then at the end, when like they punch Timothy Dalton, and his like his like a miniature house like goes through his like jaw, (laughs) so it's like in his mouth. He's like, "I need ice cream." It's bloody, action packed, just like lethal weapon. (laughs) Now. We got together a couple summers ago and watched all the Lethal Weapons. That was probably one of the top three greatest weeks of my life. <laughs> Those movies are so much fun. That, that was so fun. <laughs> but it was also very depressing thinking, like, why can't Mel Gibson still be, like, lovable and popular? And, uh, like, 
Oh my god, it's too depressing. What, what do you think makes those movies so entertaining? Do you think it's mostly the relationship between Murtaugh and Riggs? Is that yes. what does it? Because yeah. like, uh, I mean, it's a pretty good relationship. I don't know. I think they're they're fairly well directed action movies from Richard Donner. They're always just sort of fun and well paced, and yeah, exactly. Lots of over the top action sequences. Yeah. <laughs> Mel Gibson's just hella charming, and you're not quite sure if he's Australian or not. He's like super crazy too. He's like jumping off buildings and shit. Yeah, dislocating his shoulder all the time. He's like, <laughs> God, that's awesome. And then, I mean, Murtaugh, like, people are always talking about, like, I'm getting too old for this shit. Like, that is classic. That is iconic. And he was getting too old for this shit in 1987, and he did it for, like, ten more years. <laughs> that, it was just getting better and better, like, because he was so – he was too old for the shit in the first one. And it's like, dude, he's, like, aging. <laughs> he is too old is. for this shit. What was, the, what, what was your guys' favorite? I feel like it was – what was the one that ended with the big fire? Was that three? I, th- I feel like three was my favorite. I feel like you guys are all about three. Yeah. I mean, I'd probably just go with one as the best movie. Three, I, I get the appeal. I get what you guys are all about because it's just like so over the top. Like the last half of that movie, just like one extended action sequence of them like blowing the shit out of like this half constructed house. And, and I- the like all the dialogue during that last hour is just Danny Glover going, God damn it, you son of a bitch. <laughs> it's pretty yeah, fun. It's swear. I don't know if it's great filmmaking, but it's <laughs> <laughs> I get it. <laughs> the fourth one couldn't couldn't really top it. And so they tried to like make it work with new characters. They brought in Chris Rock and they brought in Jet Li, but because no one likes either of those people in movies, really. It's so ridiculous in that scene where they're like both like fighting gently. It's like they're so old. Like, he's like a he's like this kung fu karate master or whatever. I feel it's like, just like if they felt like out of their element, it was weird. Yeah, yeah but John, his body is a lethal weapon. <laughs> my, my the thing I liked about the fourth one was just because it was made pretty long after, right? 97, I think. I mean, what was the gap between three and four? It, pr- it probably wasn't it was that like, big. It was like five five or six years, maybe. I doubt it was that long. Really? It the just, first one's like 1987. Yeah. Four movies in between that 10-year gap. It's They're probably like two or three. It just seems like they did seem a lot older and met like Mel Gibson's hair was uh, short. No, it was six years. You're right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. With the Weapon 3 was 1992 and with the Weapon 4 is 98. Yeah, because mm-hmm. they, they do seem a lot older in that one and I just because like Mel Gibson doesn't have his dumb mullet haircut yeah, anymore exactly. I mean he looks yeah. like he grew up <laughs> except they still have like sweet saxophone solos <laughs> in the soundtrack even though it seems like really out of place yeah. for the late 90s <laughs> it was just cool to like see like oh you know these are my old friends yeah, yeah it was like so heartfelt at the end when it's like the ending credits and it's just like pictures of them and stuff like I, I just like, like I just like grew up with these people like this is like like my action family. <laughs> Joe Pesci like that was kind of cheesy. But <laughs> I felt so bad for Joe Pesci in all those movies. People are always pushing him around, but he's pretty annoying. He's like okay, 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 okay. He's always like trying to explain everything, and you're just like, God, shut up. But they were like, I feel like they're a little too mean to him. <laughs> okay, <laughs> can okay, help okay. it. That that became like a like a trio buddy film like later on, sort of. Yeah. I mean, it'll always be Merton Riggs, but 
Joe Pesci squeezed his way in, as you can see on the Lethal Weapon 3 poster. <laughs> yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah, those are fun movies. It's a, a shame lot. that well, I guess they didn't need to make any more. No, <laughs> I, I would pay good money to see Lethal Weapon 5 made right would, now. Would you kickstart it? I would kickstart it. Let's make it happen, Hollywood. We'll yeah. pay you. Even though Mel Gibson is a really bad person, it turns out. <laughs> There's still hope. Yeah. Maybe he can find Jesus. I think he already found Jesus. I don't think that was his problem. Yeah, I think he's all about Jesus. Yeah, that was a joke. I didn't get it. I'm sorry. Uh, Here come the men in black. Galaxy Defenders. Ah, classic. See, they have a great dynamic, the men in black. You got Will Smith... And he's dropping all the sweet 90s catchphrases. <laughs> I make this look good. I make this look good. What are, what are some other ones? I don't know. But that kind of stuff. And YPD means I will knock your punk ass down. <laughs> was always one of our family's favorite lines. <laughs> <laughs> your family. We, we agree. This is our favorite. <laughs> <laughs> that stuff is hilarious. But then you, you're playing against literally the most deadpan actor I can think of, like off the top of my head, like a man who is never amused, Tommy Lee Jones. <laughs> He's so perfect in these movies. Like he couldn't seem more bored. And playing up against Will Smith, you know, like, oh, she's in it and all that kind of stuff. He's fucking hilarious. I have a deep personal connection to Men in Black. And Men in Black 2, it took a long time, but like I grew an appreciation for it. Men in Black Did 3, you? I don't know. It was be- I feel like it was better than Men in Black 2, but it felt like, is this like 1998 again? Like, <laughs> I don't feel like the characters really like went with the times. Like, they seem like they're kind of stuck in their own thing. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, that's kind of cool because it gives you – it was a formula that worked in the first movie. So it's kind of fun to, like, go back to that. Is nice the fun. thing about Men in Black 2 that's like 80 minutes long because there's a bunch sure. of 9 11 stuff in it that they had to cut out? Definitely the ending was 9 11, like Twin Towers or like rocket ships or something. I can't yeah. remember. But yeah, they, I don't know how much that cut out of it, but I, I think the movie is like hella short. Yeah, it's 89 minutes. Mm-hmm. But it's got some great scenes. Okay, he's a bald chinian. <laughs> Oh, and he punches him in the balls. It's on his chin. <laughs> Sounds good. You're hurting Men in Black's chances of making the list, John. Yeah, I'm guessing we're, are we just talking about the first one? Yeah, I guess we probably should. Because the other two aren't really nearly as much fun. But they're all right. I feel like in stuff like this, it's more about, I mean, like Lethal Weapon and, and Men in Black, it's more about the duo than it is what movie you're going to pick. Like that doesn't really. I don't really care what movie you pick. It's all. It's all about the, the team. Uh, I don't know. We could go that route. But I mean, that doesn't have to go. Well, that doesn't have to go for um, every movie. But it's just like stuff like Toy Story and Man in Black and Lethal Weapon. You know, it's Wayne's World. It's like it's not. I mean, who cares? You know what I mean. I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah, these guys are funny. And, like, they really care about each other, too. Because, you know, 
K is like a dark, like he has a dark, like kind of past, you know, like he misses his wife and stuff. And he's kind of a sad figure, but he's got, he's got J now. And they really, they really bond. It's really like emotional. And it's got sweet soundtrack and everything. You know, it's just, <laughs> it's not to like. Hilarious. Like, I assume this next movie is pretty hilarious, right? Uh, it's, it's kind of funny. All right, it's kind of hilarious. About it. Midnight Run. Yeah, Midnight Run. Tell so me about this, it. This is a movie where uh, Robert De Niro plays a Chicago cop, and actually, is he a cop or is he like a bounty hunter? I can't remember, but he's got to get Charles Grodin who's like this white collar criminal to to LA to turn him in for I think a big sum of money but I think the thing is Charles Grodin's like super afraid of flying or something so they have to like go on the road and there's all these like other bounty hunters and people like trying to get him because he's worth like a shitload of money and it's you know it's funny because Charles Grodin's such a low key guy for being this criminal who's wanted for millions, and Robert De Niro's super like intense, like gruff cop who's just swearing all the time. He's getting super pissed at Charles Grodin because he's like kind of quirky. And you know it's it's a movie that works I think because it is kind of funny. It's pretty entertaining i feel like there's there's a pretty awesome car chase sequence at the end in the desert but you know it's got some heart to it too i feel like the two characters really really bond i feel like there's one scene where robert de niro goes back to like visit his ex-wife and it's like it's pretty emotional i'm like yeah i can get behind this kind of relationship fun buddy movie with heart You've seen this movie, Sean, right? Right? Who? Sean? Sean? Yeah? Sean? What happened to Sean? What? What happened to Sean? (laughs) I don't know. He's not talking. He's (laughs) self-conscious. He likes this movie so much, he doesn't want to ruin it. I suppose his review would just be so damaging to its reputation. Maybe you went to watch it. You haven't seen it. Feel like you've seen it? I don't know. He did one of those things one time where he's like, yeah, Midnight Run's a pretty good movie. Maybe he's just trying to Even though he, he could have just been trying to look cool. Well, I, I feel like I was saying, is this pretty hilarious? And Sean's like, oh, yes. So it's like, I think he likes it. I think he likes I it. I think he has your support. Okay. And I'm sure he'll come in at some point. Maybe we should take a minute to figure this out. Okay, so now we got Sean back. And it turns out he actually hasn't seen Midnight Run. <laughs> well, he's and talking about I love Midnight Run. It's a yeah. cool movie. See, well, top, top 10. I love the scene when it's Midnight and he has to run away. <laughs> <laughs> there, there is some running. Like the first scene, I feel like there's a chase at night. It's pretty intense. And Charles Grodin's like, I got so much to say. And Robert De Niro's like, you shut your mouth. And he like covers his mouth and they handcuff their, their hands to each other. 
Yeah, you're an that's expert. pretty much the gist. Okay, so... <laughs> and it, it grossed $81.6 million in the box office. Mm, that's solid, I guess, for the 80s. Anyways, I just put this on the list because I thought you had seen this movie since in a passing conversation we had, you were like, yeah, I mean, I run, it's a pretty good movie. But you haven't seen it, so... I guess we could just move on. I love the scene when he has money and he's like, want some money? And he's like, no, I'm too honorable. Yeah, there's probably something like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's move on to the odd couple. You guys seen this? I guess I should just ask. Yeah, yeah I've, I've seen it. No assumptions. You guys like this? Yeah, I'm pretty about it. It's not as funny as I'd hoped it would be, but I like yeah, it. Yeah, I was. It was pretty serious by my standards. <laughs> I was I was expecting to be laughing all the way through, and uh, that was not the case. But I definitely thought the Jack Lemmon Walter Matthau team had to be on here, and I wasn't interested in putting grumpy old men on the list. So, the odd couple it is. No, I mean I like it. I think it's a pretty pretty fun movie. I mean, come on. Jack Lemmon and Walter Matthau are so good. Jack Lemmon's so neat, and he's all high-strung. And Walter Matthau's just like, you know, fuck it. <laughs> he's pretty <laughs> given up in this movie. Yeah, just super slob. But, you know, Nancy could probably relate to it because he's a sports writer in this movie. Okay. I don't know if, I don't know if you're giving up. <laughs> Yet. No, I'm I'm always looking pretty sharp. Okay, that's that's good enough. I doubt it. We doubt I'm looking pretty sharp. I've seen pictures. <laughs> of what? <laughs> you haven't seen pictures of him hanging out at home. Yeah, that's, this... that's all I see is him hanging oh, well, out. At home. home I'm a total disaster. Okay. I mean but I mean that's well. That's most of what I see of um, not Felix, but Oscar. Yeah. Who he's, he's just so messy. That's that, that's the fun though. I mean, th- those are the memorable scenes for me. Are like Jack Lemmon's trying to do something nice, trying to clean up or something, and Walter Matthau's just like "fuck you," <laughs> making a mess of his own goddamn house, just 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 because he's petty. I don't know who whose side were you guys on in this movie. I feel like I'm more felt for Walt, Walter Matthau because I feel yeah. like high strung neat freaks kind of bug me. I can I can relate to people that are more laid back and just just trying to take it easy, even though I'm not really a slob myself. Yeah, I agree. Okay. I mean, I agree with you, but it's just such a weird reaction to like check it out. This guy clean up your whole place, and you're just like fuck you. I like it dirty. I was like, do you really? Does anyone really like it dirty? Or are they just lazy and they don't want to clean it up and they like a sense of control? I don't know. These are some deep questions. <laughs> well, I don't know. How did your dad react when when he finally cleaned out his incredibly messy office that he has downstairs? He was like, all about it. This is like all he talked about for like six months. <laughs> <laughs> okay. He, wasn't, he, 
he didn't kind of miss the slovenly nature of it from before. Yeah. And that's, that's a good case in point because he did it himself. No one, no one did it for him. I wonder if, you know, if Kevin had gone down there and just thrown away everything my dad owns that he would never use again, but probably wouldn't even notice was missing. I bet he'd be pissed. Uh But if you do it yourself, it's like an achievement. Yeah. So you're saying that's where Oscar was coming from. Mm hmm. Okay. I get that. I mean, I just would never react. You know, like he makes the spaghetti and, and then Walter Matha just fucking throws it against the wall because he's a little bit pissed. <laughs> I would never do that. Yeah, I wouldn't think so. I'm pretty lazy, but get a little OCD about that stuff. I've had basic human hygiene. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And that is our discussion about the odd couple. Lots of insight. Uh, Listworthy? I think it should be. It's it's like one of the most iconic film duos there was. Mm-hmm. Even got made into a TV show. We don't talk about that. Why not? Because I don't know shit about it. You want me to bluff my way through another conversation? No. I'm all about that show. It lasted like, I don't know, five seasons? <laughs> Bro, season, I watched like season, half season an episode of it once. It's got Jack, Jack Klugman, Tony Randall. They seem like they knew what they were doing. Anyways, let's move on to another comedy. I think it came out the same year as The Odd Couple, 1968. Is that right? Oh, we're not doing the Matthew Broderick one? Oh, is that what you were under the impression? Of? <laughs> I just really yeah, like Nathan Lane. Matthew yeah. Broderick can go fuck himself, but Nathan Lane... I haven't seen that one. I can't. I could imagine Nathan Lane doing a pretty good job in the the zero Mostel role. Max Bielostock, I think is his name. But yeah, Matthew Broderick. I don't think he could even like begin <laughs> to compare. He's average. He's to average Gene, to Gene Wilder, who is just fucking great in this movie. It's one of. I think it's kind of his breakthrough performance where he's just like so high strung, so nervous. I mean, both of these performances are pretty big, but Zero Mouse sounds more like theatrical and sort of just trying to take <laughs> Gene Wilder along for the ride, but he's just like just getting super freaked out about everything. I don't know. This one also for me, I guess maybe it kind of takes a backseat as far as the the duo aspect because there are like a lot of scenes where they're just going to get these crazy people to take part in this play. Like Kenneth Mars is just like, I, I love him in this movie. I actually watched it the other night. He is so fucking funny in every scene. And that's kind of the same way I feel about him in Young Frankenstein. He's just, like, so insane. You guys should just watch the clips yeah. on YouTube. He's really good. There was a great painter. He could paint a whole house. And <laughs> Yeah, he's, like, comparing him to Churchill. He's like, Hitler was such a much better dancer. He was more good-looking. And then he's talking about how he hates how... <laughs> 
He's like, Churchill, he always was saying Nazis, Nazis. We want Nazis, we want Nazis, damn it. He's like super worked up about it. There's just something about someone being really proud of being a Nazi, like even 20 years later when <laughs> everyone's trying to hide that shit. Yeah, I like LSD too. Yeah, he's good. He doesn't know his name. He has a good name. He's like, oh man, I don't know that name. Uh, yeah, they're funny. They're like so over the top and the uh, Gene Waller's high strung and Zero Mostel's like you're saying theatrical and outrageous and just a really <laughs> crazy wacky dynamic that especially, seems like it should be too much but it works somehow yeah especially in that first scene where they meet each other it's a really long extended scene which I guess kind of shows that it was it was kind of meant to be a play and it like just sort of escalates where like Zero Mostel is getting Gene Wilder more and more like Tense, and there's that part where he thinks he's gonna jump on him because he's like standing over him. He's like, "Don't jump on me! I, this has happened before. People stand over me, and then they start jumping on me. It happened in grade school." Yeah, I, I was surprised how how funny this movie still is to me. Because I wonder that about the Mel Brooks movies, but uh, watching this and Young Frankenstein the last year, I mean, they still hold up. But are you ready for the Spaceballs test? You know, I'd like to. I'm curious because, yeah, we were big fans of Spaceballs <laughs> as little kids. But I don't know. <laughs> it seems like a lot of the humor in it was kind of juvenile. I feel like it would hold up better than uh, Robin, Robin had been intense. <laughs> yeah, you watched that recently, that right? That was like the worst movie I've ever seen. But it has Achoo and Ah Sneeze. Yeah, like that was funny like when I was 10. That was hilarious. <laughs> And the chastity belt, and you can't take it off. (laughs) Classic movie. They want to have intercourse. (laughs) That's the joke. It's a good joke. Rush Hour's got a lot of good jokes. I think. I don't know. I had to put this, right? Yeah. I was thinking more of a Shanghai Nights guy myself, but, but Rush Hour, I think, probably more people enjoy. Hell yeah. I don't feel like Owen Wilson is quite as memorable, though, as Chris Tucker. Probably Next, not. Basically the same character in both movies. I mean, Chris Tucker genius. is so over the top. and just All his lines are about he's black. <laughs> <laughs> Never touch a black man's radio. I remember when they were like doing the MTV Movie Awards like as their Rush Hour characters. <laughs> and they're like coming down like on like Mission Impossible style, like, ropes or something he's like it's like crouching tiger hidden negro and what can i can i say that (laughs) this is this is one that i wonder if i'd like because like as a kid i was like oh that's funny yeah i'm suspicious too what a great formula because you hadn't seen that before (laughs) because he's like making karate jokes and making black people jokes I don't know. I just feel like I was so weary of it by the third one that I don't know. I don't you know guys had like. a great time at the third one. Yeah, I guess it was fun, like how bad it is. Like, oh, because he's black. Oh, because he's Asian. Today's yeah. 
Dude, anybody, is one of those movies that we saw and it's like, is it the 90s again? Or is it like 2001? <laughs> no, it was, yeah, that was. It, it, it was, felt so dated, the humor, just the, the, the style and everything. Just like at the end of that movie, there's like that inspector player by Roman Polanski keeps bugging them. And they're like, at the end, they're like, you know what? Let's just punch him in the face. <laughs> and then they like dance <laughs> off the screen and that's yeah, the end dude, of the movie. That's, that's so stupid. That's stupid. Yeah, <laughs> but you got to remember, like, the first one is pretty slapstick, and it's about Chris Tucker's character like becoming an FBI agent. Like the the bar for reality was a was leapt over long before Rush Hour Three even started shooting. Well said. I love and I love. I have such fond memories of Rush Hour Three because it came out about the time when I got Facebook. So like all my first Facebook comments and posts are about like Rush Hour Three, Rush Hour Three, and Sean's like. In Japan, he's like, you guys seen Rush Hour 3 yet? Like, <laughs> we're all so stoked that it was back. It's funny because even that back then, we're like, this is so dumb that they're making another Rush Hour, but we're still, like, stoked because <laughs> there's, like, I don't know, nostalgia, I guess, for, like, sixth grade or something. Uh, we know. knew Jackie Chan's getting old. I think any yeah. opportunity to, for him to actually get out there and do stuff. I mean, he's always a treat. When you can go to a Jackie Chan movie, see him do stunts, and then see him do all his fun bloopers at the ending credits, like, that's a good time. Oh, but that's what's so disappointing about the later rush hours. I mean, probably the first one too, but like it got really obvious that they were just doing stuff for the blooper reel. And that's <laughs> intentional bloopers are never that funny. Like, yeah. like in the Pixar movies. <laughs> those are those are those are fake. A what? <laughs> that's a little bit different. I guess, but it's still forced. Yeah, but it's like we know it's forced. Like it's obvious because uh, it's animated. You know, yeah, they're not trying to get one by us. Yeah, okay. like oh, okay. you're so stupid. It's like it's like, our real <laughs> <laughs> All those Germans. <laughs> but Rush Hour is like fun in my head, but I don't know if it's like <laughs> it's so fun in my head too. Well, fun in my head. Trapped away in my head. I'm going to take it off the list. I'm going to give it a All right. Go for it. Uh, as the biggest Jackie Chan fan here, I feel comfortable making that choice. Did you ever have the Jackie Chan video game show? I played it. I had an emulator. Uh, wait, which one are we talking about? The awesome PS- one? PS1 one or the fighting game for arcade? I think. Was it one PlayStation of the other ones? Yeah. Yeah. Seems like it had hella good graphics for PlayStation One. Jackie Chan's like stuntman. Yeah, Dude, go go back and look at that game. It does not have good graphics. <laughs> <laughs> like it was fun though. Yeah, that was awesome. I feel like it's hella hard though. There's a fighting game that like never actually got released, but I had an emulator of it uh, when I had arcade sticks, which I still do. I just never used them uh, for my computer and. It's a pretty cool game because, like, Jack, it's like Mortal Kombat where they they filmed people for the for the characters, and like six of them are Jackie Chan, <laughs> <laughs> including one of them who's Jackie Chan in like a Chun Li costume. Does he got like the pigtails? I don't remember, but <laughs> if you want a movie that has secrets related to ladies, may I recommend the Shawshank Redemption? IMDb's number one greatest movie of all time. Damn. That's weird, right? 
It might be like the Dark Knight now. But. I'm pretty sure it's still Shawshank. Why do you think that is? I just feel like it's it's one of those ones that like everyone can like it. Yeah, I've never heard like, anyone be like, "Oh, the movie's fucking stupid." The only complaint, I, <laughs> the only people I hear complain about is just say it's too damn long. You know, it's too damn long. <laughs> is it that long? It it's is, but I feel like it flies by. Yeah, I think the characters are so interesting, and it's just such the development of their relationship and everything. And you really want Andy Dufresne to come out on top because you're like, dude, he got fucked, or at least he says he got fucked. Oh, that's a good point. I never, yeah, I didn't even think about that. And don't, don't they even, show a scene yeah, at the end of the, at the beginning of the movie? They 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 show later on. They have a guy who comes and says that like he saw the crime happen, and he can prove that Andy Dufresne didn't do it. Mm-hmm. But that guy gets fucking smoked. It, remember, he doesn't even get shanked. He's like walking out, and they have like one of the cops like shoot him with a rifle. <laughs> nice. In fact, and I can't. Boom! Headshot. Are, are there any? There's there's some anal rape, but are there any shankings in this movie? Not that I recall. I don't think so. But who knows? But Andy Dufresne, and then you got Morgan Freeman. He's stoic and wise, and he can like get shit for people, and that's like starts the. You know, their relationships. I can get you shit. Wasn't that his thing? Yeah. He can get things. Uh, I hear you get things. That's the first thing he says to him. Who would have thought that one of those things would be long-lasting friendship? (laughs) Neither. Uh That's what makes it so beautiful. And this is is another one where it's, like, maybe a little sketchy because, like... The movie's kind of broken up into chapters, and there's definitely certain characters that you focus on. But at the heart of all of it is the the friendship between these two guys. Mm-hmm. So I think I'd count it. Mm. I just thought it was an, a little bit of an odd choice because none of these other movies are really dramas. They're mostly pretty lighthearted. I kind of just stuck with comedies. Like I thought about a movie like Midnight Cowboy, but... Uh, kind of depressing movie, but those but, guys are just the best buddies. I, I, you could have put that on here. I would have signed off it. Yeah, that's not just me pretending to have seen every movie that has midnight in the title. I've actually. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I believe you. I guess. Neat. Shawshank's good. I bought it on DVD. You guys. Yeah. You 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 bought two copies of it on DVD, and gave one of your extra ones to me. Because I got and like that, better. Yeah, that was a true token of friendship. I appreciated it. You have the one with the sweet painting. Oh yeah, that's great. Our next movie has a painting, but it's not as good <laughs> as the poster. But that doesn't mean the movie's not as good. Sideways. <laughs> You mean like the painting on the box art where they're like cartoon like in the guys? Bottle. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. It's not quite as good. <laughs> Don't you like hope you have this adventure someday? Kind of. Sort of. It's, it's possible. There are a lot of parts of that adventure I don't like. <laughs> you want a wine? Yeah. Oh, remember when he drinks all the spit wine? He's like super pissed. <laughs> 
God, I hope yeah. I drink wine just all the time when I'm like middle aged. He's even like at like a KFC type restaurant. And he's got like wine in his cup. That's living life. Yeah, but that was kind of sad. That's like a sad part of the movie. Because he's like given up. Let's talk about the happy parts of the movie with him and the always likable Thomas Hayden Church. Because I feel like Paul Giamatti's kind of, uh, I don't know what's the word, rat like. Well, yeah, I was going to say he's sort of more intellectual. He's like a teacher, but he wants to be a writer. Let's go rat like. He's a, he's a rat man who <laughs> wants to find love. He's but he escaped like, the sewers and he's adjusting to life on land. Uh-huh. Like, oh, you gotta let it breathe. And Thomas Hayden Church is like, it tastes pretty good to me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, bad Thomas Hayden Church. He seems like he's such a great guy to hang out with. He's the <laughs> ultimate travel companion. Yeah, he's trying to get ladled. <laughs> Which is, of course, unfortunate because this is like his bachelor's weekend before he goes and gets married. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and isn't he just like, I'm trying to get fucked? Yeah, basically. They had a little more class, but yeah. <laughs> trying to get fucked. This is like the hangover before the hangover. Also, in like so much more intellectual than the hangover. Way different. I mean, I love this movie just because... I mean, like all of basically Alexander Payne's movies, they're they are very thoughtful, and the characters feel like real people. And at the same time, it, it does have that great buddy dynamic that works so well in comedy. Where yeah, you got the high strung guy, and you got the laid back guy, and they just bounce off of each other really well. My concern with putting this on the list is this is a movie with a definite main character mm-hmm. like, like I guess I mean Shawshank's kind of the same way and, yeah. and you can maybe even make that case for Lethal Weapon but I feel like we almost spend as much time with uh, Virginia Madsen as we do with uh, with Thomas Hayden Church in this movie with, with you know Paul Giamatti of course being in all those scenes he's basically <laughs> never seen this movie Dude, did you see the box art? They're trapped in there together, man. Get in there alone. I'd say this is definitely a buddy film. I feel like uh, their relationship is a big part of it. And you, you, I mean, yeah, you can spend a lot of time with Paul Giamatti and Virginia Madsen, but I mean, I feel like yeah, Thomas Hayden Church basically gets Paul Giamatti into every like situation that unfolds in that movie. Like that situation where. Paul Giamatti's got to go get Thomas Hayden Church's <laughs> wallet. And he's like at he's, – he's basically the lowest point there also where he's like, you know, fuck it. I don't give a shit. I'm going to run into this house of these two fat people making love and I'm just going to take that wallet. And then he runs out and the fat guy like chases him. And <laughs> there's something about that scene. That is like one of the funniest scenes in any movie to me. I don't know why. Just because it's so wacky, but it also feels kind of real in a weird way, too. I don't know. Good-ass movie. Yeah. I well, like Silver Streak. Have you guys seen Silver Streak? No. You know, I have not. And that's something I've always wanted to get around to, is seeing the Richard Pryor 
Gene Wilder comedies of the late 70s, early 80s, just because, I mean, come on, those two, like two of the funniest people that have ever lived. Got to get on that shit sometime. Even though, I don't know, are those movies that good? Silver Streak was definitely my favorite. I'm trying to think. Uh, I've seen um, Hear No Evil, Speak No Evil, whatever whatever that title is. That, that's one of them. I've seen that one as well. like Stir Crazy, I think that's one, where they're like in jail. I don't know. What's, what's yeah. Silver Streak like? It's awesome. It's hilarious. Uh, it's it's kind of you know your familiar setup of these two guys meet on a train and there's like all this intrigue that surrounds them as they're trying to avoid the law and, and unravel the mystery surrounding everything. Um, I haven't seen it since I was but a boy, uh, but there are a lot of iconic scenes. Probably the most famous one is is Richard Pryor teaching Gene Wilder how to act black so he could uh, cover his face with a. <laughs> the shoeshine stuff and, and sneak past security and mm-hmm. uh, Gene Wilder just totally overcompensates and acts really white and hilarious uh, but if, if you guys haven't seen it I don't think we need to spend too much time on it but I, I would just recommend you know I haven't seen it in a long time let's check it out let's get together let's make I, a thing I, I just put it in my Netflix queue there you go I got a VHS copy somewhere <laughs> the only VHS I will ever watch from this point on will be The Island. Because <laughs> Sean's copy is so incredibly impressive. Yeah, because from like 2005 when <laughs> no one had VHS anything. Well, you gotta know, my dad probably bought that in like 2006. I mean, it had been out for a while when he bought it used. Still. Just the fact that it exists. Yeah, it's oddly impressive. Just like some like it hot. Because it's so old and yet so funny. That's oddly impressive. Yeah, I suppose. I feel like one thing people, even I always forget about it, is it is old and yet it takes place even farther in the past. It takes place in like the 20s. Because there's, like, mobsters and shit in it. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, the plot basically revolves around these two musicians that are kind of bouncing around, playing in a bunch of big bands, which which were the, the big musical style of the time. And they witness a murder that these gangsters... Most foul. These gangsters set up, and then they're on the run... And what they do is is dress up and drag to play in this all girls swing band. Pretty wacky. Well, I mean, yeah, that's pretty wacky. But then what happens after that is even more wacky. As you know, they start developing romantic relationships with men, <laughs> and, uh, you know, because they're forced to stay in costume because mobsters show up. Yeah, I'm always like sort of. I'm not sure why that works in this movie. Like, it should be so obvious that they're men. But for some reason, like, the writing is so good. And, I mean, all the actors are just 
hilarious and witty and just so game for for this movie that you kind of I don't know for some reason you just sort of look past it and lose yourself in just the fun of this movie I don't know I'm a man well nobody's perfect <laughs> I'm all about that guy Osgood, yeah he's the funniest one Osgood Fielding the third <laughs> Let's see Joey Brown. Joey Brown bringing it. Yeah. All the progressive movie. Interestingly enough, on the poster for it, they say Marilyn Monroe and her bosom companions. Not bosom buddies. They don't want to run into any trouble. <laughs> I don't see how that's that much more risque. <laughs> You're saying bosoms. You're already implying it. <laughs> Yeah, Richard Nixon was all about it. I'm trying to do Tim Allen. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know what I'm Sounded just like Richard Nixon shaking his jowls around. <laughs> it's like eating a steak with his bare hands. That's <laughs> Nixon in his later years. But I was trying to do Tim Allen. Like Toy Story. Why? Woody. What? Oh, because it's on the list. I thought we were talking about Some Like It Hot. Okay. Oh, Toy God. Story is sweet because it's about the classic friendship of a cowboy and an astronaut. The kind of friendship that never existed in Hollywood until they finally broke through that glass ceiling in the early 90s. But <laughs> existed in the hearts of every child who was born since probably the 60s. I don't think they are talking about astronauts much before astronauts existed. What was that glass ceiling you were talking about? Is there a movie that pits an astronaut against a cowboy? Until what are you talking about? They wouldn't even allow him in the same picture. <laughs> okay, they so weren't even allowed in the same bathroom. They had cowboys only bathrooms and astronaut only bathrooms. I don't know. Have you seen all the Indeed in the Cupboard movies? I've just seen the first one, but I've read a few of the books. So who knows? Maybe there could have been an astronaut in one of those. Yeah, but he's in, yeah. Darth Vader was in one. But that's close in, enough. Anyways, what I think works so great about the Toy Story relationship is that Buzz Lightyear is this is so like oblivious to the fact that he's a toy, and then Woody is so cynical and so like. Uh, so aware of that he's a toy and it's like such an interesting dynamic of how annoyed he is by this other toy who thinks he can fly and shoot lasers and that he has to use his space helmet to breathe I just like seeing Woody get pissed off yeah. that is hilarious he's, he's the, one of the most cynical children's characters I can think of I, mean, I don't know if cynical is the right word just yeah, he's just real frazzled. He's comfortable in his skin he, he knows what's up and he's fine with it he knows the deal. Yeah, and I mean, that's a thing he goes through during the course of the film because he, he was full of hope and optimism when he was Andy's favorite toy, but then he gets shoved to the back of the pile. It's still in the box, man. Yeah, that's, that's harsh. That's what that dumb squeaky shark is. <laughs> Serious demotion. Howdy, howdy, howdy. 
<laughs> Colin, I know, I know you connect to this movie because you're like Woody and Nancy's like your Buzz Lightyear. <laughs> Basically, he's, he's the cool guy everybody everybody wants to be with. I'm just off in the corner being like, fuck this. Like, oh, come on. This is bullshit. I'm honored. She should be. Yeah. I, 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 it's weird how much I relate to Woody. He's just a child's plaything, but he's so human. Then what are you? Who, me? <laughs> <laughs> I gave you that silence out of respect. Just just to act like that was so thought-provoking. <laughs> well, if it's, if it's thought-provoking you want, look no further than Wayne's World. Wayne's World! Party time! Excellent! <laughs> I, yeah. I felt... I rekindled my love for Wayne's World when I had, took a studio production class here because working in, like, a crappy studio, TV studio, is basically like doing public access. So people are always making Wayne's World jokes. <laughs> Go close-up! Extreme close-up! Whoa! And for some reason, everyone's favorite one to reference is, like, how... The, like, the cameraman in the Wayne's World movie like learned how you like count down. But once you get down to like three or two, it's like silent. That was a big part of it. Uh, yeah, I put a lot of like wacky, extreme, eighties, nineties type <laughs> comedy characters. I, I don't know; they're just really funny. These guys, uh, they're, they're outrageous. Especially like Garth because he always goes off on like weird tangents. It's like, did you ever see that Twilight Zone where the guy signed a contract and they cut out his tongue, and then they're like. <laughs> It grew and pulsated and gave birth to a baby tongues. Pretty cool, huh? Like this stuff that has like nothing to do with anything. <laughs> and how he's like, I was talking about a guy like his like first pube and stuff. Like how he's like still like a kid or something. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's always weird in the Wayne's world. It's like, how old are they supposed to be? Because he like lives in his mom's basement and they're like in their 30s or something. And, like, they're kind of dumb, but at the same time, they I feel like they always, like, are dishing out, like, weird wisdom every now and then. Because those movies are so, like, self-aware. So, you yeah. know, they'll break the fourth wall. And and I love it's, that. And it's I almost, pretty meta so, for its time. Sometimes I wonder if I like the second one better because it's, it's – I mean, it's, it's definitely dumber, but it, it's just even sillier. Like, the first one has such a weird ending. I feel like the second one's actually a more conventional movie. It's just, and it's got like the most cameos I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> well, first one's got some good ones. Isn't that the one where Robert Patrick shows up? Yes. And he's like, have you seen this boy? And he's got a picture uh, of Timothy or whatever his name is. It's got great cameos in that one. Uh, Chris Farley and uh, actually Chris Farley's isn't that good, but it's, it's Chris Farley's funny. And Meatloaf, and there's like that band. He's like, oh, the shitty Beatles are playing tonight. Are they good? Oh, no, man, they suck. (laughs) The shitty Beatles. I don't know. I prefer the unconventionality of the first one's ending to the second one, where they just rip off the last 20 minutes of The Graduate. (laughs) It's a little more creative. Yeah, that's, doing, doing the whole Scooby Doo endings thing, but it's it's kind of awesome to like literally do the ending, like use what looked to be like the the same sets same and everything. Church, yeah, well, that church is still there in L.A. 
Yeah, not to go off on something, but you know what one of my favorite things in the Wayne's World movies is? Are Ed O'Neill. Yeah, he's great. <laughs> that guy. He's always like t- telling his like super violent Vietnam stories. <laughs> you know what I'd like to do? I'd like to find the guy you I can't remember he did something. Rip his beating heart out of his chest, hold it in front of his face, just so he can see how black it is before he dies. <laughs> <laughs> World's twisted place. He's like super dark. <laughs> there's, there's so many great, bizarre secondary characters. I mean, Wayne and Carl, they're the best, but there's just so many jokes in those movies. They're still really funny, too. I, I always wish that they made another one. I feel like they still kind of could. They'd be definitely be pushing it, but... <laughs> I kind of miss Dana Carvey and Mike Myers doing stuff that I want to see. That's not like Shrek or Austin Powers for that. Probably. I don't know. Who knows what he's up to? Last time I heard Mike Myers was like thinking of doing like Marvin the Martian, like voicing him. And I'm like, I mean, maybe if it has Brendan Fraser in it, maybe then. All right. I'm back on board. That's funny. When I just read, like, they, they just had a reunion, like, this week, even though it's, like, the 21st, like, anniversary. But for some reason, like, Mike Myers and Dana Carvey and, like, Rob Lowe and, like, everybody got together and, like, had a party. <laughs> just cool. I'm glad to see that they're all still in touch, maybe. I don't know. But they still. Was it planned or did they all just, like, wind up at the same party? There's like, it was, no, I feel like it was a planned thing because they had a handful of people who were in it. Okay. I, I don't know what it's for. I don't know if it's for, like, a new dvd or what i I don't know but just got me thinking good times all right so let's put this bitch together so yeah i I guess we can take midnight runoff since uh you guys haven't seen it not yet but we could always pretend sure that's how you want to live your life I guess we're going to have to take out Bill and Ted because Colin hasn't even seen it. <laughs> Isn't that good? I mean, it's pretty funny, but like, I do think those characters are too similar. <laughs> yeah. There's not as much of a dynamic. It could have just been one character and they could have like, and like a straight man and it would have worked just as well. I don't know. It would have been. It, it's you, weird because the movie's like kind of a classic, I guess at this point, but I never thought it was like that funny or that clever? I think it's it's pretty clever. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it doesn't need to be on here. Um, I don't know. Shawshank just doesn't fit in with the rest of these ones. <laughs> yeah. like friends, but I don't know if I'd say they're buddies. Yeah, buddies doesn't really describe. Like, word. I think there's definitely a difference between buddies and friends. They're like, I respect you so much. (laughs) (laughs) Tang up. Get some hijinks going. Well, I know what number one is, so. I don't. I think I know it. I know what my favorite is, but it's probably not going to be. I think I know what your favorite is, but. All right, so putting this together, I'd probably put, uh, Hot Fuzz a little lower, just because I, I wouldn't necessarily consider it a classic. It's pretty, uh, it's pretty funny, but a lot of I don't know. Men in Black is it? But Men in Black, no, it's, it's got its place in pop culture more so than Hot Fuzz. So I probably put Hot Fuzz a ten. 
I guess I could sign off on that. Yeah, yeah I, I agree with both of those. Both of those? Wait, what? As lower ones? As lower ones, like Hot Fuzz 10, Men in Black 9. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I could go with the Odd Couple lower down, too, since we didn't have that much to say about it. Odd Couple is a classic, but I, 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 I would actually say that I like Men in Black better. <laughs> part of my childhood. Whereas Odd Couple is just a movie that like I have uh, a, a, a kind of a respect for. But, you know, doesn't doesn't really matter that much. You have a respect for it, but not like the reverence you have for Men in Black. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't sit down and actually enjoy it as much as I enjoy Men in Black. Like that is yeah. a, that's good. Getting some popcorn, popping corn, a good time. So just trying to have a good time. Derp, derp, derp. Uh, oh god maybe I'd go sideways maybe I don't know I like it better than some of these but I guess Sean brought up a good point about it's not completely a buddy movie but I don't know you you could probably make that argument for all of these um Except for maybe one or two. I mean, like Lethal Weapon and Toy Story, there's definitely a more lead character. But they're all stories about two people. Sideways is really one person's story. And his buddy's there and his buddy's a catalyst for a lot of what happens. I suppose, but he has an entire arc that plays out over the course of the movie that you see quite a bit of. Yeah, but a lot of it is, is backgrounded compared to what Paul Giamatti is up to. You know, sort of. Whatever. You can put it at seven. That's fine with me. Uh, next, I would go with the Lethal Weapons. You're wrong. Try again. Wrong. Uh, they're Sorry. not that good. They're like fun, but like if we're. But I feel like fifth. that's the whole point of a buddy movie. It's fun. Like it. I feel like if you're trying to go too good, that's not what it's about. Like, look, Colin, you said this is about the balance between the quality of the buddy hood and, <laughs> and the quality of the movie. And sure, Lethal Weapon has that tilted. The scale is, is certainly weighed down a lot more on one side than the other. But it's weighed down pretty heavily, man. It's, it's, pretty, it's like it's a lot, like, it's a lot of weight. The thing about those I also feel like is that my enjoyment was amplified because we watched all of them together as friends sort of enjoying the the ridiculousness of some of the later movies. Like, I don't think I'd get hardly any enjoyment watching Lethal Weapon 4 on my own. Like, I'd just be kind of bored. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. but I feel like that's that's uh, that's also a good a plus for it. I mean, it's a buddy movie you watch with your buddies. <laughs> like, how awesome is that? I agree. <laughs> so much buddability there. <laughs> Okay, fine. Then I would probably go Wayne's World. Mm, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. Okay. I don't know. How do you guys feel about the producers? I've never I feel like seen it's number five. the original. <laughs> so you've only seen the definitive version. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> 
Nice. Uh, Didn't even have LSD. At least that's what, uh, I mean, Matthew Broderick told me it was the definitive version. Didn't have LSD. He's my favorite character. (laughs) Does the remake take place in present day? Mm, I don't I feel like it didn't. How could it? How could there still be Will Ferrell as a Nazi in... Yeah. 2005. Because I mean, I could understand if it takes place in present day because LSD is like a total like <laughs> capsule of the 60s. Like he's this hippie guy that's all about flower power. He's like singing that song about the power of love. That scene's pretty funny. Um, <laughs> love power. so risky writing stuff in a movie that like the characters react to as funny to be like i don't know how you get to be that confident in your material that like we can do this so bad that it'll be funny no that is that is a super ballsy movie i think like it is poking fun at like everything that was going on in the culture at that time i mean come on nazis people were not (laughs) recovered from that shit yet but mm, he pulled it off. Mel Brooks. Melly. Good old Mel. Melly from the black. <laughs> is this short for Melvin or is his name just Mel? Uh, you know, I don't know. Well, get <laughs> on it. Damn it. <laughs> I mean, with those old Jewish guys, I assume they're all just completely fabricated showbiz names. Mel Brooks' real name is Melvin Kaminsky. It's short for Melvin. All right. So, go. what do you guys? What do you guys think of the final four? Is Lethal Weapon number one? Is that the vibe I'm getting? Because <laughs> I don't think it should be. Well, let's go. What do you think should be number one? You know, it's not my favorite movie out of these, but I would probably say Butch Cassidy because the whole movie is basically just uh, a ballet of words between those two characters. I think the buddy aspect of that movie is so integral to its success. I think you make a good point, but is there any friendship in film that's meant more to us than the Toy Story friendship? Basically, I'm at the point where Colin can have whatever he wants at number one if I can have Lethal Weapon at two. <laughs> no, you have to fight for it. Yeah, but I don't feel like fighting with Colin. So can we put my buddy? Some, can I put some, can I put some <laughs> like it hot at four then? I would agree. Yeah, that's okay. Because like I I wouldn't have any problem with Toy Story's number one either. But that's uh, it also feels kind of weird. I could do I that guess. too. I feel like we've given Toy Story its due a few times on this podcast. Like, yeah, I mean, we had that Pixar podcast where we basically just talk about how great Toy Story is. <laughs> oh, what the is course. the matter? We like Toy Story. Star Wars always wins. Yes. <laughs> the Beatles always win. That's the Toy Story, the, the animated yeah, equivalent the three of Star rules, Wars the, the three, the Beatles. Yeah, the three rules of Mildly Pleased, uh, Toy Story, Star Wars, the Beatles. That's <laughs> automatic the juggernauts. Win. The juggernauts. <laughs> you know, I could do it. Yeah, I'd be fine with it, I suppose. I love Toy Story. Yeah. 
So does that mean lethal weapon over Butch Cassidy just to make Nancy happy? I'm down. Me too. That's <laughs> <laughs> so fucking weird. It's not, not that good. Her chemistry isn't that <laughs> interesting. Oh shit. <laughs> Dude, didn't you see Lethal Weapon 5 though when it's always steady? Maybe. I can't remember. Hey mates, it's time to party. <laughs> That's my favorite part. That is he Australian? I don't get it. I feel like his accent is constantly changing. So our top ten buddy <laughs> movies: number ten, Hot Fuzz; number nine, Men in Black; number eight, The Odd Couple; number seven, Sideways; number six. Wayne's World, number five, The Producers, number four, Some Like It Hot, number three, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, number two, the entire Lethal Weapon series, and number one, Toy Story. This podcast has a buddy, and that's a website called mildlypleased.com. It's out there. No one's really paying attention to it anymore, not even us, but it's there. And it's it's just it's it's beautiful. You should you should check it out if you haven't been there in a while. It's got a lot of buttons to press and comments to leave, and you can also leave reviews of podcasts like this one on the iTunes service, which is a, a thing you can use to download podcasts too, like this very one. You can subscribe and everything. And if you're looking for friends and and these movies aren't doing it for you, may I recommend you just keep listening to us. We'll be your friends. We'll be the best buddies you ever had. Starting now and continuing next week when we do the next episode of Top 10 Thursdays.